We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good, everybody. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus. At Nick Deus 10 is where you can find me. A third episode of VM this week, and I had to get my guy on. A double calling in. Alan Sterk. What's good, baby? In the grind, baby. It's football season as we're kind of in the midway point. And coming off a big weekend, I feel like the buzzes couldn't be higher, even though, as we previewed this weekend's games, quite the downfall, but nevertheless... I mean, look, we're coming off a weekend in which the games are an absolute banger, but this weekend is uh, it, it's a plus one weekend, right? This is a weekend where, you know, you take your significant other, you take the plus one, and maybe you go apple picking, maybe you go pumpkin picking, maybe you go out to dinner, because if you miss this slate of games, it's not exactly banger after banger that you're missing. Or I would recommend doing something Sunday or Monday night, because that's where the real duds are at. All right, fair enough. Yeah, the primetime games are a little lackluster, especially with the one on on Thursday that we ended up uh, catching between the Saints and the Cardinals. I can't defend those night games, but as someone that advocates for 49ers, you know, I still think there's some potential at that 4 o'clock slate. Dude, I feel like this is a nice uh, little segue into talking about, you know, how I want to talk about the quarterbacks, right? But in particular, a quarterback that we just saw on primetime which Denver has had, what, five primetime games this year? Four too many. I mean, dude, like, what is happening? Like, this, uh, and look, the expectations coming into it, we were hyping the, the AFC West being, like, the greatest division of all time. I know I was. So, yeah, the, the reasoning behind why there were so many primetime games, I get it. But also, I was like, dude, come on. Let's start flexing shit out earlier on in the year. But I want to talk about the potential fall of some of these quarterbacks that have been big names for a very long time. And each one, there's been a different reason as to why they might be falling off a cliff. And dude, remember, we were talking about this a couple of years ago, how there's always a quarterback every year that has a fall that falls off the cliff and it's a sudden drop too. Like it's not a, they go from being an elite guy to being like, yo, this guy might need to get benched because we're in trouble. We've seen that happen with Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, my boy Eze, Eli Manning, and now there's a couple candidates here, and I want to see where you're at with some of them, and and one of them being Russell Wilson. Are you in panic mode for us? I've been panic mode for Russ for about three weeks now, uh, just because you watch him play. It just seems like everything is a struggle. There's no cohesion. There's no quick game. Like every completion, just seems like Russ has to manufacture something or just straight up missing receivers like you you just see it week in week out there's there's passing lanes that he should be finding and just i don't know he's just not seeing to feel like he once was and he doesn't have the same athletic traits that he did five years ago to make those special rust plays so that's why i think everything's crumbling for the broncos offense he started the first half 
fairly well. Uh, he had some vintage rust plays, especially on one of the touchdowns, like him escaping. And you were like, oh, maybe, maybe the reports of him having to get his shoulder checked out. That's why the lingering injury from the preseason coming in. Maybe that's why you're you're kind of giving a reason or an excuse, depending on how you feel about that, as to why he was struggling. And then the second half comes around and you're like, yo, this guy is unwatchable. Yeah, he stopped targeting the Croatian tight end, man. You see, things were going well when he was targeting the long-haired Croatian tight end, which is where Greg, oh, not Greg Bulsic, Troy Aikman. Come on, man. But nevertheless, yeah, Russ, it's just anytime you like you you see him on third long he just like he'll like pump fake double clutch like just nothing seems smooth and i don't think that was always the case with him in seattle it's just if you need him to like get like a quick eight yard completion he just kind of struggles to just identify the receiver it's for him it's like everything has to be vertical or they're outside the numbers like i don't know maybe the lack of play action hasn't helped either but like it's just a real struggle with this offense and i'm starting to wonder just based on how everything is kind of played out. Did Denver, because Nathaniel Hackett does not look like an NFL coach. It looks pretty clear. So I'm wondering, did the Broncos hire Nathaniel Hackett just because they thought they could really get Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson was the backup plan? I think that's exactly what played out. It just makes sense, right? Like Russ kind of fell to their lap. They weren't expecting Russ. And ever since they got him, been a lot of weird things that have gone down like giving him the contract when they did it there was no threat of him holding out there was no issues about him complaining about not having a contract and then he gets there and his contract is outrageous five years 242 million 161 of it guaranteed which is for him congrats like that's amazing right but if you're denver you did all that before you even saw him play he was coming off a season last year where it's been a rough 18 months for him, right? Remember two years ago, the conversation about Russ was, yo, he never got an MVP vote. And then he comes out the gates those first eight weeks and he's lighting it up. He's putting up big numbers and it's like, oh, he's finally going to get an MVP vote. He might even win the MVP. And then after that, everything has just been a slow decline. And then so far this year, uh, it seems like he's kind of fallen off a cliff, Alan. Yeah. I mean, I think ever since the second half of that 2020 season, then it goes to Seahawks losing the first round to a Rams team that I think Jared Goff was playing like with the he wasn't playing with a broken thumb. He was dealing with some hand issue. But I remember that Seahawks wildcard loss to the Rams. And it was a game that easily should have won because that Rams team was super vulnerable. And since then that Seattle offense thing just started kind of becoming fragmented. And you know, I, I know we all had hopes that he would get like a new lease of life in Denver. You know, this would be his offense, but whether it's the wear and tear of playing behind that sea offensive line year in and year out and taking close to 50 sacks a year or him just not having the arm strength anymore or just the accuracy. It's just, there's just not many moments. Like I'm used to watching Russell Wilson making like four or five wild plays a game. And like now you just don't see, you just see him balls are flying everywhere. Like he just, there's nothing accurate. There's nothing cohesive. And, and you could also say him not having a steady running game is probably an issue because for the most part in his career, he's always usually had a consistent running game. And it's the first year where it's like there's just there's no running game to speak of. So maybe that's also going on. But you know, all this is just culminated to being definitely one of the worst contracts in the league, if not the worst. Man, it, it really might be one of the worst contracts in recent memory. Uh, factoring in how much money he's going to be making yearly and the cap hit and his age also. You know, he's going to be 34 and he is, it was always cool that he was undersized and he was being so productive and so efficient, but you can only withstand so many hits at that size too. You like, you've seen Kyler Murray go through this, right? Johnny man. I know terrible, terrible mentioning Johnny Manziel, but like that size quarterback, those hits weigh on you more than when you're six, three, six, four, and you're like big Ben or you're Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Right. Like eventually that stuff, it wears out. And I'm worried that Russ, it's still an upgrade from what it was last year for Denver, but it still can also be the case that this contract was bad and he's just not playing well. And I don't think they could turn it around either, Alan. I think it's, it might be a wrap. I don't know how it's an upgrade when they're 31st or 30th in every major offensive category. No, this offense is just as bad. Uh, they, 
they got to take the L on this one. Like Seattle's going to reap the benefits. Seattle's already putting together a really good draft class. They're getting better quarterback play from rejuvenated Geno Smith. They got they got played on this trade, and at this point, I just I don't see much hope for them. I I don't know if they can really stick with Hackett given how overwhelmed he's been, but. I just don't know what the silver lining is because, and it's unfortunate because I just think, yeah, like you look at the history with Seattle, they had so much success, but they, they didn't, both sides didn't do each other well at the end of it. And, you know, we talk about short quarterbacks, but look at what New Orleans built with Drew Brees. Drew Brees is one of the most undersized quarterbacks ever, and he was well protected for the majority of his career. And that's why you saw the longevity. It wasn't until he got really old where you saw the fall off. He didn't really start falling off till he was like 37. So the fact that Russ, Started the decline last year, and now looks like someone who's a below average quarterback. So it goes to show you how much you know. It's it's hard to maintain playing at such a high level as a quarterback position. But but with Breeze also, just to piggyback off what you said, Breeze fell off because he never was an arm strength guy. Like you never, you never mentioned Drew Breeze as yo. He got this laser rocket arm. Drew Breeze was always a finesse passer. He was very accurate. He had a great touch. But he never had a Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes arm, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, where those guys, if, yeah, they're not throwing 98 anymore, and now they're throwing 90, like, there's a drop-off. He was always throwing 82 miles per hour, like, his whole career. And then eventually, when he gets to that age, where the hits start piling up, and then he's 37, 38, and now from, you were already throwing 82, now you're throwing, like, 65. It's like, yeah, that's why his career started fizzling out. I mean, dude, I was talking about him... He couldn't throw a ball like 20 yards downfield. Slant boy with Michael Thomas. Like the, a, re, a big part of that was because Drew Brees just couldn't air the ball out downfield anymore. And a, another quarterback staying somewhat in like the NFC South who is kind of getting a little bit of heat. I never thought I would say this, but Brady too, bro. Like, Alan, what do you think about those reports of Brady going to the wedding on Friday prior to playing in Pittsburgh? I didn't think it was a big deal. I think... You don't think so, but bro? He's, no, he's as Baltest as it gets. I think the issue with Tom Brady right now is that offense just doesn't seem to be on the same page. The offensive line's a mess, and I don't know, Brady's not in sync with his receivers. I think ultimately he's really missing a dependable tight end. I think Brady, over the course of his career, has been very reliant on a tight end and also like a James White type running back. Dude, I don't know, man. I feel like you leaving, it's one of those cases that you leaving your team becomes a story if you don't win. So if they won, we're probably not having this conversation. But since you ended up losing and they played the way they did, I don't know, man. There's something about it that's just not... You as a Falcon fan, you don't... There's not a part of you that thinks you guys might be competing for this division? Uh, I mean, division's getting, the schedule's getting lighter soon, so... I can see him being a pet, but I just, I don't know. Bro, Tampa I Bay see the smirk in your face. You want to believe. No, I, no, I, I think Tampa Bay is just too talented about us to lose this division. It might be competitive for a bit, but I still think Tampa Bay is a top four team in the NFC. But is that saying much? Like, who's the second best team in the NFC it's, it's, that you would trust? Yeah, no, it's, it's, not, it's not saying much, but I still think they're a contender. They're still a team that can make a run because they just have so much talent. It's just a matter of. I don't know. The offensive line's kind of disaster, and they still kind of kind of get healthy. Uh, but second best team in the NFC, I, was, I came away pretty impressed by the Cowboys on Sunday night. So with that coming back, I gotta go with the Cowboys at this point. Minnesota five and one, bro. Yeah, I'm not buying them one bit. I Yo, wish no I one is. Day. Why though, Alan? Why? 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 Is it because of Kirk? It gotta be Kirk, right? I just don't think the defense has played all that well, and the offense goes Good through. Point. Real sputtering stances like Minnesota, nothing's easy with them. It just seems like they'll have a couple of flash plays, they'll force a couple of turnovers, but you don't see like just consistent stops, you know, long 12, 10 to 12 play drives. It just seems like there's just flashes, but a lot of it's just breakdown. So I just need to see more consistent from Minnesota. They're doing the job, you know, they're winning games, but I haven't really been wowed at all by them. There's always there's always a moment when I'm looking at the standings after every week and it catches my eye and I'm like, damn. And one of them was Minnesota. I was like, damn, they're five and one. And it jumped out to me because I just felt as if we've been shitting on Minnesota so many times and Kirk Cousins. And I think it might have been me falling for the prime time when they looked so bad against Philly and then they had to claw their way back to, against Detroit and 
they've had some favorable things fall into place for them. There was a London game. You played Miami without Tua and even without Teddy Bridgewater. But dude, they're also they're they're five and one, man. And it could also be me being a little biased and trying to uh, pat myself on the back, saying that they might be in the NFC title game. But I think Minnesota is going to be interesting, man. That's a tough out. I think they're going to be a tough out for people because of the talent that they have on offense. Absolutely, yeah. No, they're definitely the talent. I just their defense is what really good. So they're allowing a lot of big plays. It just seems like it's easy to throw on them, and then. Offensive line, which is always kind of a concern. Tension on the interior. Uh, man, Miami was getting after him bad. So, I don't know. I just I need to see more steadiness with Minnesota. But, uh, look, that trio they have with uh, Cook, Jefferson, Dillon, that's one of the best. And I think Zadarius Smith has been as one of the best free agent signs, which we yep. kind of expected. We were really excited about that move. And every week it just seems like he's causing havoc. So, they, look, their stars are doing the things. It's just I need to see more collectively before I really believe in Minnesota. The last quarterback I want to talk about, and it seems as if it gets worse and worse every week for him, it's Aaron Rodgers. The, his timing with his receivers, his, his body language, his interviews, his post-game stuff, there's a lot of things that have me concerned. If I'm a Packers fan, if I'm a fan of Aaron Rodgers, he is just not playing at a high level and I know it's the new receivers. I get that. But also, dude, you're Aaron Rodgers. You should be able to help elevate these guys as well. Don't you think, Alan? Absolutely. So to, uh, to me, to me uh, it is it? It looks like a disconnect. Right. Yeah. Like, I know Adams was so, that tandem was so special. I'm not going to disregard that at all. But I think some of the, the ways that he's carried himself, whether it was in the offseason or with this season coming into it, I think you got to put a lot of blame on yourself too if you're Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I just like you could talk about the receivers not creating separation, the lack of a vertical threat. But I, look, Matt Lafleur has done enough in this league where it's just like, okay, you got to respect him as a play caller. Uh, it just seems to me like Rodgers kind of goes to the beat of his own drums, uh, beat of his own drum, excuse me, and like he just likes like he know he throws who he trusts. He trusts Robert Tony and Randall Cobb. Those two players can't be at the nucleus of your pass attack. He does trust Lazar a little bit, but I think we know Lazar is just a big body receiver who makes contested catches. I just think not having that true go-to number one that can stretch the field and do it all has really affected them. But it's like Rodgers, you just see him checking out of plays. Like It does look kind of reminiscent to 2018 where you clearly saw he did not care what Mike McCarthy was calling. And it would be very unfortunate if he does the same to Lafleur because Lafleur, say what you want about his playoff success, fine. I know they've fallen apart, but... Back-to-back years, number one seed, they've become like a, you know, at the top of the NFC. Like just you expect them to be there. You know, for Rodgers and Lafleur not to be on the same page after all their success, I think is very disappointing. You know, I definitely some of it has to be put on Rodgers because you just you just kind of see from his body language like something is just not right. Dude, also he's won thirteen games in his first three seasons. That's yeah. You're not even if your quarterback is elite. For you to win that many games, like a lot of it has to be with you too, man. So we can't shit on Matt Lafleur. Right. All right. I, yeah, I don't know. And like you see, like Rogers constantly just always throwing by the line of scrimmage. Like they don't push the ball downfield at all. If he pushes the ball downfield, he throws a remarkable Allen Lazard, which oh my god, was one of the best throws of the weekend. But besides that, it's just you don't really see any explosive plays, and it gets to a point where defenses kind of figure out. And I just. I don't know where the Green Bay goes from here. Like to me, you know, I preach about it every year they got to be active the trade deadline, but I'm pretty certain they're not going to do anything. I mean, yeah, dude, we've been fantasy booking wide receivers that are in places where you can go and get them. You know, like everyone now, it's it's DJ Moore is the hot commodity that's going to go to Green Bay. You know, I've talked about this many times. It's been Manny Sanders, it's been Odell, it's been all these guys, and then no one goes. I did see them recently being linked to Chase Claypool. I think that would be Ooh. a bigger move than people would envision. I think Chase Claypool could be a star there. Like I, I still believe in Chase Claypool. I just need to change the scenery. If they can make that happen, I I'll, I might have some belief in Green Bay again. Damn, that's a good one. I like that one. Chase Claypool, huh? And it makes sense, right? Pittsburgh got Pickens that they love. They got Deontay Johnson also. You have the new quarterback coming in. 
with, with Kenny Pickett being there. And, and I know Trubisky came in in relief. Like, probably that would be the guy. They already paid Deontay Johnson, and, and I'm sure Claypool is going to want to get the bag soon. And you just got Pickens. So I feel like he's kind of the guy that you'd be able to go and get from Pittsburgh. That'd be interesting. I didn't hear that name, but I, I would like that. And he's a big body, too. He's a home run threat. Claypool could really get down there. So it's going to be interesting, man. I think these quarterbacks, they all have some flaws, and, and each of them for different reasons. But it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out because without them, their teams are not going to be able to go as far as they want them to. And the last quarterback we just talked about was Aaron Rodgers. He suffered back-to-back losses to the two New York teams, Alan. And I know when we were putting this show together, you wanted to talk about the rise of New York football. What is it? Here. What is it, though? What is it about it that got you so excited? Because you know it got me all, like, you know, pretty overstimulated about over here. I mean, they've been on the receiving end of punchlines for, like, five years now. So just to see something that's refreshed to big market teams, two teams, like I said, that have been, like, when you think of punchlines, when you think of franchises in complete disarray, these are the two. Like, you, in October, you kind of already look at these two teams, and it's like, all right, I'm really not going to pay attention to a full game of them. I'll watch the highlights. But besides that... Why am I going to watch any film on the Giants and Jets? They're irrelevant. But now they're at the forefront. And I just think the way they've injected this young town, both of them, I think, capitalizing off major trades with obviously the Giants with that Bears trade for Justin Fields and then the Jamal trades for the Jets and the Seahawks. Like both these organizations were put in a position. It's like, all right, it looks like you won these trades pretty clearly. Now it's time to capitalize on it. And you see what the draft class is. You see... Also now with the coaching staffs, they're putting together some beautiful stuff. And I know some of these wins are ugly, particularly with the Giants, but you have to commend them for finding unique ways to win and just kind of play disciplined football. I think that's what kind of people lose sight of when it comes to watching football. Like It's not always playing to win, playing not to lose. I know it's kind of a corny catchphrase, but these teams, both the Jets and Giants, they're not putting themselves in a position to lose. They don't really turn the ball over much. They're playing fundamental football. And, it's paying off. You're not collapsing the fourth quarter like the Ravens. They're not self-destructing like the Packers. They're just playing sound football on both sides of the ball, and they're reaping the benefits. Listen, man, I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm going to let you know this. You got to let us have this. You got to let New York have this, bro. It's been rough in the Big Apple. Yeah. Last year, both of these teams won eight games combined. They've won nine so far this year. All right, two years ago, prior to that, both of these teams, two wins for the Jets, eight, six wins for the Giants. They've won more games than that. Like, since 2017, combined, the most wins that these two have had together have been 11 wins, and they're at nine now. So if, if New Yorkers are acting arrogant and they're feeling full of themselves, it's been rough for the boys for a very long time. So let us have this. And also, they have some good wins on there, too. Like, these aren't... You're not beating up on the Texans and the Jaguars, even though the Giants and Jaguars play each other this week. Like, you were the punching bag for all these years. You were the team that when you were on the schedule, you were looking at it like, oh, that's a W. That's a W. Dude, they beat the Packers, both of them. Giants just come off a win against the Ravens. The Giants have three wins in which they were trailing in the fourth quarter by double digits. Like, these are some big wins that these teams are having, and they're beating good opponents. Or they're going on the road and they're winning, right? They went into Pittsburgh, and they beat yeah. Pittsburgh, did the Jets. Uh, they went into Cleveland with the comeback. little fluky. That's never happened before to the Browns, and that was, they scored 14 points in a minute and 37 seconds. But, like, bro, you got to let us have this, Alan. It's been rough. Yeah. Uh, my, my season, Absolutely. I, I haven't gone into October being optimistic since, like, 2016. And even then, it was like, I didn't even feel confident about the team. And look, I think the Giants have gotten lucky. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, a lot of things, like the way they're playing football, they have no receiver over 250 yards receiving. That's wild. Daniel Jones doesn't even have 1,000 yards passing. That's crazy. When, like, Josh Allen and Mahomes do that in two and a half, two and a half games, they have, like, 1,000 yards thrown. It's basically just the defenses for both of these teams have been unbelievable. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about, I was talking about Sauce Gardner. I came on here after the quarterly awards, and I was saying how I think he's the defensive rookie of the year. And this was before he had the, the big games that he's had the last two weeks. 
And he just he just fits the profile of a corner that doesn't give a damn. He goes up against the number one receiver. He did it against Chase, even though the Jets got smoked in that game by the Bengals. He was manning up on Chase. He's a rookie, dude. And I know Chase is in his second year also, but that's a big step. That's that's balls right there. And then Brees Hall, all, all my friends, all the guys that you know too in the group chat, they're raving about Brees Hall, so you know, second round pick. And I just kept saying, like, dude, you got Michael Carter also. He's dominated that backfield. The Jets might have both of the rookies of the year on their team. It's wild, man. Yeah, they're the consensus favorite right now, both of them. They are. And the Giants, like Thibodeau, just came back now fully healthy. And he had his big moment, got the closeout sack. That's why you drafted him when you drafted him also. How about this? At the end of the game, he's in tears. He's all emotional. He's like, yo, I thought he didn't like football. That's what all of you were telling me in the draft. That he dropped in the oh, draft because yeah, yeah. he didn't care that about football. Nonsense. Like, yeah. thank God he did. I'm happy because I'm happy that he's a giant. But that's also, like, really stupid that he dropped because of that. Like, people are just trying to create these, like, narratives about someone. Like, yeah, of course he cares about his brand. Everybody cares about their brand now. So I'm happy that he's on the Giants. Now, I got to ask you. What do you think of these two teams moving forward? Do you think... Which one do you think is more sustainable to winning the rest of the year? Based on roster talent, I, I, I definitely have to go with the Jets. Even though I think the Giants have a superior coaching staff, it's just with the Giants, at some point they're going to have to like throw the ball in certain games. It's just right now, I don't know how I can trust the, like, like the, they're running some of the most funkiest formations. Like they ran that wheel route. What was it? The Matt, or the wheel, play the Matt Breed. It was like a wheel route. And like, they're in like 32 personnel. They had like three backs, two tight ends. It's like some of these formations are just so funky. And it's like, oh man, all right, this is working now. But if they got to play the Eagles and the Cowboys, which three, they still got to play Dallas one more time, Philly twice. Like, I just, oh man, I think they're in for a bit of a rude awakening. Well, the Jets, like you look at Garrett Wilson, you look at Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore hasn't been getting targets lately, but he's still someone that's capable. And then you have the backfield. Like, uh, Jets are just more equipped offensively, and they have a couple of blue chip players defensively where it's like, I trust them. But the thing is, like, both these teams, to me, are in the best divisions in football. Like, AFC East, quietly, to me, is the best division of football, or at least the most complete one. While the NFC East, we've spoken how good that division is. So, I think both teams are going to have to step up the game a little bit. But I just think based on roster talent, you have to go with the Jets. I do think the Jets are the more complete team. I think top to bottom, they... Not that Zach Wilson is heads and shoulders better than Daniel Jones, but I think the way he's playing and what the Jets are having him do, like, I think he has more upside than Daniel Jones because also Daniel Jones has been in the league now for so long. We kind of know what he is. Like, he's also being protected. Like, a lot of the things that they're running, they're protecting him to not overexpose him. But I do think the Jets, it's, it's more sustainable for them to be winning. Look, I, I've, I've watched every Giants game. I've watched every Giants game twice, as I always do. And they've gotten lucky, man. They've had a lot of breaks go their way. But they're five that, of them. That Mark Andrews drop. Oh, my God. Yeah. Y'all, that was. Yeah. Dude. And also, <laughs> that, that Matt Breida play you're talking about, that was a dime by DJ. You know, he doesn't that, make. That was a hell of a throw. Uh, that was a hell of a throw, he, man. <laughs> he's been fine, some, man. Like, I, I, at this point, I would trust Daniel Jones more than Zach Wilson. I know Zach Wilson has more upside, but if I'm starting game this Sunday, I'm trusting Daniel Jones. I am not liking what I'm seeing from Zach Wilson. To me, he's still one of the bigger liabilities on the Jets at the moment. Giants schedule rest of the way. Remember, they're five and one right now. They're five and one. At Jaguars, at Seahawks, home Texans, home Lions, at Dallas on Thanksgiving, home Commanders, home Eagles, at Commanders, at Vikings, home Colts, at Eagles. Dude, if you just go five hundred the rest of the way, it's eleven wins. Yeah, they'll be they'll be a six seed, maybe a five seed. And you, know, and you know, yo, you know who I want too, right? In the first round, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Come on. Ooh, I, Come on. I wanted uh, this two years ago also. I want Brady, bro. I want Brady in the first round. He's going to see that giant helmet. He's going to be having PTSD. Let's right. go. <laughs> Give me that. Yeah. Brian Dable. As I'm sporting guess, yeah, my, the, the, as I have my Stone Cold shirt on, I want to mention that Stone Cold is my favorite bald dude of all time. Brian Dable's closing in, Alan. He's, he's, he's. I'm already. He's, yeah. All right. He doesn't, listen, when it's been bad for so long, right? It's like when you get out that toxic relationship, that next fling that comes in and, and they're praising mm-hmm. you and they're loving you and all that. It's like, is the best ever. This is how I feel about Brian Dable. Top top three bald guy of all time already. Now, when it comes when it comes to mullets, where do you rank Wink Martindale? Is he up there with Roy Nelson? I think he's only behind Theo Vaughn for me. Oh, Theo Vaughn, bro. Theo. <laughs> Damn, Theo Vaughn, technically, yeah, he does have a mullet. He, he does, man. Time, the Rat bro. King, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the goats. But man. Sir, can we just do with Martindale blitz 70% of the time on dropbacks last game? Like he just he just told Lamar Jackson, I know you, I'm gonna blitz the hell out of you. And if you can't respond too bad, and it was a very efficient strategy. We're sending everyone. We're sending everything. We know you, like you said. That was expected. I thought he was gonna go like we knew that his style is to blitz, but I think with Lamar, mm-hmm. look, the memo is the the game plan on Lamar is out also a little bit too. Like we saw Miami do this on that Thursday night game. I think that was the first time that we saw when they came out that Thursday night football game last year and they were sending everyone. They had the two, they have the two really good corners and they were putting them in man coverage and they were just sending the house on Lamar and he looked flustered. He looked, he looked pretty bad. That's one of the worst performances I've ever seen Lamar have. And then you saw what the Giants did and it's like, he knows him. He's been with him all these years. Oh, you knew that was going to happen. You knew yeah, that was going to happen. I want to mention Bengals as well. Bengals on Sunday night, I thought really got to him. And you saw Lamar miss a couple of downfield throws. And I think he had a pick in that game as well. So, yeah, I just, it makes you wonder, like, how they're going to adjust. And one thing with the Ravens, not to go too into Ravens, but, like, I'm so off on Greg Roman. I just feel like this guy makes zero adjustments when it comes. You could, you could, you could devise a hell of a running game. But when it comes to putting together a productive passing game, it's just it's been an issue for years. And, and that's one of the main concerns I have with the Ravens which is unfortunate because I think they really do have one of the best rosters in football. We're praising New York football and we're excited about it. But one of the games of the week this week is the Falcons and the Bengals. And that's your team, bro. I know you were telling me right before we started recording how busy you've gotten with all the the Falcon content that you have out there. And I hope people from VM go on and they check that out and show love to Allen because We've kind of been in the same boat, bro. Middle middle of October, the seasons have been over for us the last couple of seasons. And, and now the Falcons are in a pretty interesting spot. They're playing the Bengals on the road. Falcons 6-0 and against the spread. You know, d- degenerates are loving that. They're a six-and-a-half point underdog to the Bengals. The last two times we've seen teams start 7-0 and against the spread. It was the Cowboys last year. And then in 2019, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. Outside of that, you got to go back into the 90s to find teams to that's be that good. good company you got there. Yeah, that's good company, man. You guys got to just, <laughs> you know, not only cover the spread, you also got to get some Ws. How do you feel about this game, man? One of the, one of the two games that we're going to highlight this week before we start closing up the show. It's a, it's a tricky game for sure, just because I think Cincinnati is starting to play better. Uh, I think slowly they're finally finding bounce with the running game because they've been desperately trying to get the running game going, but now they're actually seeing some success. And finally, they're getting chased on a couple of big explosive plays because I just think a lot of defense are playing too high and Burrow hasn't necessarily solved it. Some of that's due to bad coaching. Some of it's Burrow just not wanting to turn the ball over. But now I think that Saints game was very encouraging. So uh, I'm pretty optimistic with the Bengals. But at the same time, the Falcons, oof. Like the thing is, like they didn't even run the ball that great against the 49ers. Like both Algier and Huntley had 
under four yards per carry. But the thing is, the Falcons are so persistent with, them, with the ground game, and they're just pounding teams into submissions. So what they did against San Fran, it was just they played bully ball, and the Bengals without DJ Reader, I think, can get bullied. So that's where I guess the advantage lies with the Falcons. It's just with the Bengals, there's just so much firepower there, and I think they're slowly starting to find their rhythm. And if this Bengals offense, if they're firing all cylinders, not, not many teams that can stop. Definitely not the Falcons defense. We know that because there's still a lot of holes there. So do you think you think Chase and Burrow go bananas again this week? Uh, with such with now Higgins healthy, I could see that just, you know, the Falcons lost Casey Hayward, which is a big loss. He's like one of their veteran leaders. He's going to be out for the next bump. So, and man. You know, I still think he's playing well, but AJ Terrell's been on the receiving end of some bad touchdowns this year. Like, poor Brandon Ayuk lit him up on that touchdown. I don't know. Terrell kind of getting caught flat foot a few times this year. We see now Robinson, uh, Michael Thomas get after him, and now Ayuk. So, yeah, I, I, I think Terrell, he needs to just, you know, be a little more focused because you know, a player of his caliber can't be getting lit up like that. But, uh, no, I think it's a really good game. I, I'm, I'm kind of split on it, but it's just, oh, man. Falcon just because they're so dependent on the running game. Like they're three and zero when Mariota throws less than, uh, or I think has fifteen or fewer completions. So I'm just concerned if they're chasing this game and they can't run the ball as much. You know, when Mariota becomes a drop pass passer, bad things happen. And you know how much I love Lou Anarumo. Lou Anarumo, he can bring the worst out of quarterbacks, and it doesn't take much to bring the worst out of Mariota. Yeah, man, it's you still want to see the Falcons trailing like 10 to 14 points to see how this offense is going to be because everyone is comfortable when they're playing with their game plan and what they want to do. Um, I do think that they've been fun though, man. Like they're running some oh, really, yeah. really fun run schemes too. I know you were big on the on the coach uh, sort of um, his running style, like what he had at Tennessee and then what he's doing over there. Like the, they run like a high school football offense sometimes. They'll have like three guys in the backfield. And Mariota is a threat running the ball also. And look, man, you still got two guys that can, they can make some things happen in Drake London. And then with Kyle Pitts too, like Kyle Pitts, it's, he's like the, he's like the most frustrating guy in fantasy football. It's like, this guy should be putting up eight and a hundred every week. And it's, you know, sometimes he's not really drawn up, getting plays drawn up for him. But on the flip side, I think it's going to be interesting to see Terrell go up against Chase, man. Do you think that's a matchup that we're going to be seeing often? Does, does yeah, AJ uh, Terrell travel? Like he, he, he yeah, travels? he does. He yeah, does. right. Yeah, the, the DPs puts him in that role. So yeah, he will be traveling, especially now that Casey Hayward's out. So I do think we'll see that match quite a bit. I think people forget with Chase, man. Especially if you watch that Saints game, like he breaks so many tackles. Like we know Chase has his explosive receiver who's just this vertical threat, but you throw the ball underneath to him, he's getting yards after contact. And Oh man, he he's scared to deal with it. Just it's just a matter of the Bengals have to get him the ball because I just think, oh man, a couple games this year he's been schemed out, but now I think they're starting to find the rhythm for our own chase. Dude, both of these teams are three and three, man. Like this is, this is a pretty big game, dude. I'm I'm definitely yeah. Oh, this is to me the second best game of the week. It's just they're just so like it's just hard to grasp what the Falcons are doing because it's just this is a team that's running like 13 personnel, 22 personnel, like. I I think no team uses fewer eleven personnel, which is three wide receiver sets fewer than the Falcons. Like this is a team that will use a fullback and a second tight end on majority of their snaps. And they're just bullying teams at this point. So it's just so so unorthodox. Like to me, the Falcons and the Giants are just they're kind of running their own ways. And I think it's just cool how they're not following trends. It's just like this is how we're building our offense and that's how successful it's gonna be. Kind of just seeing, you know, what it's like for teams that are using different formations and using those uh, pre-snap motions just to create those mismatches, and that's what the Falcons are doing. But uh, if I had to make a prediction, though, I'm still going to go with the Bengals. I just think offensively too much firepower, and you know, even though we talk about the Bengals defense not having much star power, like their defense is still very well organized, and I think their pass rush is slowly putting it together. And I can see Trey Hendrickson having a big game, and you know, ultimately Mariota throwing multiple picks and Bengals winning a close one. So, I, I I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. I was going to go in a little different direction, and I didn't want to completely shit on the pass rush for the Falcons, but I do feel as if this could be a good spot for the Bengals' offensive line to sort of get it together. Uh, they've had a rough go of either defensive schemes or, like, pass rushers that could dominate games, right? Like, they went up against T.J. Watt, obliterated them. 
Parsons, what he did. You have the Ravens, a team that you had the revenge factor also with the way they get after the quarterback too. And I think the Falcons, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the one that covers the Falcons. You would know more than me. They don't really have much of a pass rush. I mean, Gray Jarrett definitely had his best year since probably 2019. Like, Gray Jarrett's definitely been a one-man wrecking crew. I always talk highly Gray Jarrett, but he's having a resurgent year. But besides that, yeah, their edge rushes are you know, rookies, and, and Lorenzo Carter hasn't really done much. So, no, for, I, Former I giant. It, it, former it, giant. Former giant, yeah. He, he's been okay. You know, he's a, he's a contributor. <laughs> but if Gray Jarrett isn't obliterating the interior, which is a major concern, like that, Bengals, oh, man, like, Burrow's still taking a lot of hits, and the Saints were getting after him. Especially Marcus Davenport, yikes! Oof. Right, but no, unless unless Dean Peace is dialing up some exotic blitzes uh, or Gray Jarrett's taking over, I think Burrow should have be should be staying tall in the pocket. Yeah, that and and look uh, when I when I say the pass rush, and I know the interior lineman could get pass rush as well, but I always think traditionally it's like coming off the edge, like that's where Atlanta mm-hmm. doesn't really scare you as much. No, not at all. Yeah, so to me, I'm with you, man. I think the Bengals win this game, and I think I think they actually cover this game, too. I think if they jump out to a lead, it might be hard for Atlanta to come back. And then that's where it could really get in trouble for what you were saying, that matchup between the defensive line and them generating pressure on the Falcons' offensive line. That could be, that could be an ugly one. And then that's where, you know, people like you who cover the team is like, yeah, maybe that's why one day we want to see Mariota get replaced because it's fun. It's a little gimmicky. But I think it could open up things for them as well. Yeah, no, couldn't say better. Uh, all right, the last game that I want to talk about is the Chiefs and the 49ers. And this was one that you you were more excited to talk about this one. I feel like you're a San Francisco 49ers kind of a, a, a truther supporter. Yeah, man, they're one of my favorite teams, but... Boy, you want to talk about a team that's beat up right now. They have about 13 injuries, and they're come off a beating. And I just saw uh, one of my favorites on their team. Uh, oh, man, why am I butchering his name? Uh, Hufanga. There we go. He's in concussion protocol. And now Tredavis Ward's dealing with a hamstring issue, and Ayuk's banged up. And we don't know if Bost is going to play. So it just, look, you need everyone like, to beat the Chiefs. Like, I know the Chiefs have come off a loss, but I thought the Chiefs played very well against Buffalo, which is the third team one at the end. And the way San Francisco looks kind of fragile right now, oh, uh, I'm excited about this game. But oh man, uh, a team that I thought had the best defense in the league is looking very depleted at the moment. Injuries, man! Injuries start piling up. You know that that's going to be an issue. And also, I think the travel is interesting too. You know, back to back weeks, you're out in the East Coast. Uh, I liked Atlanta in that spot last week. I took Atlanta with the points. I took them at, they were a six-point underdog at home. I didn't really understand that. And then it ended up closing at minus three for the Niners. Like a whole field goal moving with no real injury news to the the position that matters the most. And a lot of people were coming in. I know a lot of professional betters out here were telling me that the Falcons were one of the best plays on the board. And I agreed with them. And And now with San Francisco, like, look, Kansas City's coming off an emotional high, right? They were playing Buffalo. That was a game that they were excited for. Everyone was hyping up game of the year. Shout out to Tony Romo. You, did you catch that? He In the first quarter, he predicted the score. He said 24-20. Did. I mean, he's brilliant. Dude, he's so good, man. He's so good. Yeah. It's such a fun dynamic, him and, him and Nance. I love it. But Kansas City now, man, going into San Francisco – I think San Francisco might be able to bounce back, and I kind of like them to pull an upset this weekend. Am I crazy? It's it, it's They're weird. It's it. it's weird when you're like picking against the Chiefs and the Bills, right? Doesn't it feel wrong to do so? Bills are wrong. It's just I don't know how you could be like optimistic about the Niners at the moment. Like for me, if the Niners go pull for upset, like they need their trio to just make big plays. Like you know, you need Garoppolo not to. Turn over multiple times, but you really, this needs to be a game where it's like, okay, Debo, okay, Kittle, okay, Ayuk. Like, all three of you just explode. Because one thing about Kansas City, they're not a very good tackling team. And we know no, there's no team better after catching San Fred. So, to me, it's like, San Fred's got to be ready to score at least 27, if not 30, to beat the Chiefs. So, that's one of the notes that I had here. Like, this is, if you're struggling to make tackles, this is not a team you want to run into. No. Because they got Ayuk. They got Kittle. They got Debo. 
they got guys that are going to make you pay if you're going to be slipping up on tackles. And that six-yard gain could turn into a 36-yard gain at the snap of a finger. So that's why I think, and, and Shanahan, I do feel like Shanahan thrives in these kind of situations. I don't want to say back against the wall, but, you know, you're coming off a loss. You're a little hobbled. You're a little injured. It's Kansas City coming into town. They're at home. I think this is a spot where I'm going to be back in the Niners, man. And I think I'm going to go ahead and say they're going to upset the Chiefs. And then wow. and then I think this is what I think is going to happen this weekend. Tua is going to come back in Miami. They're going to look the way they did those first three weeks on primetime. So it's going to be showcased. I think Kansas City is going to lose to San Francisco. And then you're going to be back to where we were before week one. Oh, no Tyreek. Is Kansas City going to be the same? They weathered the storm. And I still trust the infrastructure there. You saw Juju get going last week, which was big for them. Me, Cole Hardman, I finally don't bet him to score a touchdown after five weeks of punting my money, Allen. And then what does he do last week? He scores a touchdown because I didn't bet him. That's always the case. So, so to me, to me with, with Kansas City, I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think San Francisco is going to pull the upset. And I think the talking points next week will be, oh, did we jump the gun on Mahomes without Tyreek? I, yeah, I definitely think it could be rallied because it's like one of the craziest stats is no team's facing more man coverage than Kansas City. Like teams are daring them. Like we will put our corners on your receivers yeah. and they're not going to get open. I think, think like a lot, as great as Kansas City's been offensively, I think a lot of it just comes down to Kelsey being Kelsey, Mahomes being Mahomes, and just great play calling. But, like, those receivers aren't really getting open. Ball this scaling is just so volatile. Juju's, at this point, this career is a possession receiver that could do some things after the catch. Um, Hardman, just a gadget guy. Like, to me, like, they really need either Sky Moore to make serious strides or they need to sign Odell. Because if they don't do that, I'm not sure if they can beat Buffalo. Because it's pretty clear, like, you're watching that game, as well as Mahomes is playing at times, they just don't have that quite the dependability at wide receiver. Someone that you could really go to on third down if Kelsey's not open. And look, there's going to be a tough matchup for Kelsey also. I, I think San Francisco we know, yeah, is... We know those linebackers bring it. Oh, yeah. And, and they're guys that are not afraid of pass coverage, no matter how elite you might be at tight end. So there's going to be a tough matchup for Kelsey too. That's why I think San Francisco is going to be, despite the injuries, I think they still are strong where they need to be to take advantage of what Kansas City does well or on the defensive side doesn't do something that well in tackling. So I'm on San Francisco, man. I think they upset the Chiefs. And man, if if Bosa could play, that could be huge because I think Kansas City, as good as their line is, their tackles are very frustrating in in fast pro. We talk about Orlando Brown being 370 pounds and just not always being able to get to the edge. But even the right tackle, Andrew Wiley, I think he's become kind of a Mm. liability. So if Bosa could play, Ooh, I could see him causing problems. But obviously, let's go with Kansas City. I just think they're more to penalty point. And look, man, Garoppolo, it seems like every big high-profile game, he, he gives the defense two or three opportunities to take the ball away. And I could see that happening again. They're, they're good guard-to-guard is the strength of their yes, offensive absolutely. line. Yeah. The, the tackles are the issue. Their best league. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're on the same page there. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. Like, I think the two games that we mentioned – and even even if you weren't a Falcon fan, that would those would be the two games that I think are the most compelling. I, obviously, I'm excited to see what the Giants are going to look like against the Jaguars. But if if it wasn't for the fact that the Giants have a winning record, like if the Giants were one in five, I'd be like, yo, there's no way I'm watching this game. Evan Ingram revenge? You think he pulls a fast one on us? Ah. Uh... Nice three catches for 38 yards. I think that, <laughs> and a drop touchdown. I think right? man, the, yeah, the Jaguars are like a year away at this point. You just watch them. They're just, oh, man, you you can see the pizza there, but it's just, I don't know. One week they're generating pressure. The next week they can't get it. They can't touch Matt Ryan. And then it's like Christian Kirk's going wild, and then he gets like four targets. Like, there's just yeah. no consistency right now. So I really don't know what to make of them at this point. They're one of the true enigmas of, of the league. And, no, that's a, it's an intriguing matchup, though. I will say, Giant Jaguars. It's not a big matchup, but I just I don't know. I was expecting more from the Jaguars. Now they've been let down, and the Giants are just kind of I don't want to say must see TV, but it's impossible not to be intrigued by the Giants. 
Let's go, baby. Six and one on the way. Six and one, Alan. Six and one. <laughs> what, a, what a way to say it. What six to say and say. one, bro. I can't believe it. Let's go, man. Duval, we coming. We coming. Yo, Alan, man. this was fun. What are you man. gonna do? Wild, wild, what are you gonna do? Wild card weekend. We only have to do like fifteen minutes of talk, discussing a Giants playoff game. Oh my God! Don't do this to me, bro. Don't do this to me. This is this. Ah, uh, I'm not gonna know how to act. Especially over here, having me running around in the sports books, watching the Giants. Oof. Oof. Give me Brady. Give me Brady in the first round in Tampa. And please, Kadarius Tony, get healthy, man. I want to see Kadarius Tony in this offense. Please hey, get hey, healthy. Hey, listen, listen. One game back of first, bro. Maybe. All right. All right. Look, Philly. I don't know. You know, I've watched Philly, but. Yo, Philly. hold on. I, wanna, I don't know who's being them. I want to just pull the curtain back real quick before we end this show. I made a bet with our buddy Ralph. Shouts to Ralph. He's a big Cowboy fan. I made a bet with him. Yo, the Eagles are going to win the division. We made a $100 bet. You know, just, you know, mano y mano. We didn't look at the odds or whatever. Because I kept saying, like, the Eagles were mispriced. They should have been the favorite coming into the season. Now they have a two-game lead over the, <laughs> over the, the Cowboys. But what was funny is I'm telling, I'm talking to him the other day, and I'm like, Dude, you know what's crazy? If the Giants end up winning this division, and I didn't even bet on my own team. I picked the team that I hate the most to be the team to win the division. Oh, man. Sports. You got to love them. You got to love them. The best. Yo, Alan, you're the man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Where can they find you? Is there anything you need to plug, bro, with the Falcon stuff? Like, you're working really hard on this shit, man. I want people to go over there and show some love. Yeah, ironically, right now I'm working on a long for Mariota piece because uh, I've been calling for Mariota's bench for a couple of weeks. But look, he played flawless against the Niners. That was a really gutsy performance. So I'm, I'm writing about how Mariota is making his market line. He's not the long-term answer, but he's someone that I think can be an asset when you're utilizing properly. So uh, I definitely giving Mariota some love. I'll be doing a Falcons Bengals preview pod. I am shifting from preview pods to post-game reviews because. I have to start going back into the office next week. So Oof. my podcasting, my, but yeah, the, the remote days are over. So I have to go back <laughs> a couple days a week. So no more preview pots. Here. I'll be doing post-game Falcons coverage. But, and of course, I'll be doing Wednesday nights with you. So uh, yeah, a lot, lot going on the Falcons between writing and podcasting. So uh, yeah, alcohol, be on the lookout for that. Listen, man, old Dirt McGirt. I've been a, I've been a Mariota guy for a long time because I had him 18 to 1 to win the Heisman. <laughs> So shout out to the Oregon Ducks, baby. He's always good in my book. At Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is you can find everything for the show. Check out the Patreon. Join the Discord. We're making some changes to the Discord. There's going to be a Discord server that is going to be open for all fans of VM. Every single one of you will be able to get into that uh, to help build the community. And then there's going to be a separate Discord that is going to be for the members of the Patreon. Over there will be different perks and incentives, and you guys will help produce the show, as I've asked many times, for you guys to give us questions or thoughts or comments, and also, like, the betting stuff will be all in there. We're adding some people to that Patreon Discord that's going to be for members of the Patreon. And then there's going to be a Discord to just build a community, because I think that's the next step to adding some stuff to Veterans Minimum. VeteransMinimum.com is you can find everything. And hope you listen to the UFC pod. Before we go, shout out to my guy, John Orlando. For joining this, and we will catch you guys next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.